Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. We are on week two of a series that we started, obviously, last week called The Space Between. The Space Between. And this series is going to carry us right through to Easter Sunday, or Easter Tuesday, I guess we can say now. And, um, you know, the whole focus of this series is that God has been fighting to eliminate the space between you and him. And if God takes it serious enough to fight for that space between, then you and I should too. That, that Jesus came back to eliminate the space between us and God. And so last week we started off and we looked all the way back at the garden. We started in Genesis and we looked at how this space was actually introduced between the creator and his creation. So if you didn't get to hear that or watch that, you can do that. You can check us out on our, our podcast page, or you can go to youtube.com backslash the Harbor Church, and you can watch week one. But tonight, we're going to continue uh, with this series, and I want to talk about first impressions uh, for just a minute. Does anybody in here, you get really nervous about first impressions? You get, you psych yourself out? Anybody in here, you just, you're not good with that, Yeah. Anybody in here ever, like, just have some miserable fails with first impressions? You're like, oh, no, I'm never going to be able to look that person in the eye again. Anybody? Okay, cool. You're at least more honest than the people here on Sunday. Um, I have made an absolute fool of myself a couple times, and I'll share it with you. Um, So the first time I actually ever told this story was on Sunday, and the ironic part is the person that I made myself look like a fool in front of, his daughter was here. And so she texted me later that night and said, hey, I told my dad. I was like, awesome, thanks. Um, so um, I don't know if you've ever experienced going on a job interview and, and really just desiring to make a good first impression, really wanting to impress the person that you're interviewing with or just show them that you're the right person for the job. Well, I had something like this happen um, when I had uh, moved back home from Bible college. I was, I was getting credentialed through the Assemblies of God. So basically... You have to take a test. you got to obviously pass the test. If you pass the test, they don't just say, okay, we're going to credential you as a pastor. They want to interview you. They want to have a conversation with you. So part of it is personal, but a lot of it is they want to be able to quiz you face-to-face and see what you know, what your knowledge is like, what your theology is like, where you stand on certain issues, all kinds of stuff, right? And so this is probably 11 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. And um, so leading up to this interview... Um, you know, I was just cramming like I would do in college, you know, like I would, I would put off a test, put off a test. And then two days before I would just cram as much as I could in my head, take the test, pass, and then it would just all, you know, fade away. Not that I was doing that with the Bible. That sounded weird. Um, but I was just cramming all this stuff that I thought that they were going to ask me. Okay. Uh, so I, I show up to this interview and I, I had passed the test but just the unknown of what they're going to ask you is nerve-wracking. And um, I, felt, I showed up feeling pretty confident. And I knew the guy who was interviewing me. His name was Dave. And um, so I showed up, and it was Dave, and it was another older pastor who I had never met before. And so I walk into the room, and, and I say hi to Dave, and I shake Dave's hand. And Dave says, hey, I want to introduce you to one of the most amazing, godly, spiritual men ever. One of the best pastors we have. His name is Jerry Stewart, and, and I had never met him before. He's the man. This guy is awesome. But I'd never met him before, and so I remember the name Jerry Stewart. Um, so I said, hey, nice to meet you, Jerry Stewart. And he said, nice to meet you, too. And so we sat down, and, you know, I'm sitting across from these two uh, older guys who have been pastors for years, decades. 
And uh, we were kind of small talking, and, and it was all right. But in my head, I was like, let's go. You know, like this information's only been here for so long. And so, um, you know, Dave finally said, he said, okay, let's, let's, we got to get some of these formalities out of the way. And I said, awesome, let's go. And so first question, right out of the gate, he said, hey, could you tell us who the, uh, the superintendent is of the Assemblies of God for uh, the state of New York? So if you don't know what that means, that's basically someone saying, oh, you're interviewing for this company. Who's the CEO? Should be the easiest answer in the world. I had no idea. Literally had no idea. And so first, first question. So in my mind, I mean, it probably was only like three or four seconds, but in my mind it felt like three or four minutes where I was like, do I play this off like I'm just nervous and I forgot? Do I own up and just say I have no idea? And so I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's, um, and in my head, I'm like, Jesus, you better, you better take the wheel. I'm like, you need to bring back this dude. I'm sure I've heard it at some point. You need to bring this guy's name back to my mind. And so, boom, name pops in my head. I said, yes, I do know who it is. His name is Jerry Stewart. <laughs> now, Dave, the guy interviewing me, <laughs> he, if you don't get what I just said, I, I said the guy's name who's sitting across the table from me. I, I looked at him, and he goes, <laughs> just pointed at Jerry Stewart. And I go, <laughs> I know, I know that's Jerry Stewart. I'm just playing. And he goes, oh, like you can tell he's relieved. He's like, oh, okay. I thought you were an idiot, you know. I'm like, no. Oh. And so I said, yeah, no, 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 I know. it's um, And so this guy is so nice. You know, he didn't have to do this. He goes, starts with a D. And I'm like, oh, you suck. I can't believe you just did. So I was like, yeah, um, Dave. Duh. And he was like, like I could tell, no. And I was like, no, that's not it. Um, so then he goes, now you'd think that that would give it away at that point, but I still, I was like, listen, man, I got nothing. He goes, it's all right. I'll help you out. It's Dwayne. I go, oh, yeah, that's right, Dwayne. Now, as relieved as I was to hear that he said his first name, I was horrified to hear that he left out his last name because now there's no excuse, you know? So I was like, yeah, that's right, that uh, Dwayne. Uh, uh, Dwayne, um, and he literally goes, Dwayne, duh. And I literally, first thought in my head was, is this guy's name Dwayne Dwayne? <laughs> and so <laughs> I go, oh, yeah. Do I, listen, man, I don't know it. And he goes, it's Dwayne Durst. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, man. And I just couldn't even play it off at that point. I looked like an absolute fool. Thankfully, I ended up doing okay the rest of the interview, and they, by the grace of God, they passed me. But as soon as I left the interview, I called my dad. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to pass. Like, I literally forgot the most important name, other than Jesus, that I probably could have forgotten in that interview. Absolutely look, made myself look like a fool. There's another time, real quick, pops into my head, which was equally as embarrassing. Um, I, I had the opportunity. I knew that I was going to be able to meet uh, a pastor that I, I really look up to. Someone who's uh, really well known, whose ministry has been incredible. Someone who I've listened to for years and 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 looked at their example. And I knew that I was going to be at something they were going to be at, and I was probably going to have the opportunity to meet them for the first time. Now, we were hanging out with some people that we know who don't live in the state who know this person, and I had made reference to the fact that oh yeah, actually, I think I'm going to be able to meet that pastor in a couple months. And they said, oh, no way, that's awesome. And they were like, yeah, they have a really good sense of humor. And I was like, oh, that's cool. 
and and they started to tell me how this person, I was saying how much I like this person's preaching, and they said, yeah, well, that pastor actually has like this older mentor in his life, and almost every message he'll call this mentor beforehand and kind of like throw his message past them and see if it's like theologically sound and kind of get his thoughts, and I was like, wow, that's really cool, and they were like, yeah, they're like, actually, you know what would be so funny? We're just going to call this mentor's name John Smith, that's not true, but just, they said, you, when you meet him, just to set yourself apart, you should say, hey, I heard John Smith writes all your messages for you. I was like, really? They were like, yeah, yeah it'd be so funny. I'm like, yeah, you think so? They're like, oh, yeah, it would, it would be hilarious. It will set you apart. I was like, all right, maybe I'll do that. Okay, so fast forward two or three months. I walk into the room, and I'm one of the first people there, and he's standing there. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go up and just introduce myself. So I walk up. I'm like, hey, what's up, Pastor? I was like, hey, I heard that John Smith writes all your messages for you. He goes, hilarious. And I was like, dope, I'm going to go sit down. Literally, and then the whole way back to my seat, I'm like, what were you thinking? I'm like, I wasn't thinking. Why did I even say, if someone came up to me and said, I heard so-and-so wrote you, I would be so mad. What a jerk I just sounded like. I'm like, I can never look this person in the face again. It was terrible. I psyched myself out, but I, I was building up to this whole first impression. wanted to put my, my best foot forward, be like, hey, I'm one of the guys. You could joke around. This person doesn't know me. Like, where did I get off making fun of them like that? But so many of us, we get, we get so tweaked up about first impressions, and the reason is because you only get one first impression. You, you only get one chance to impress somebody for the first time or put your best foot forward for the first time, and however you do in that first impression, you're either going to live up to how good that was or you're going to spend a while trying to redo the mess that you made in that first impression. I want to look at tonight this first physical impression that we have of God. And God didn't mess it up. But I believe just like we would get nervous about maybe trying to impress someone for the first time, I believe that God was so excited to show us physically who he was. And I want to look at this first impression that we see of Jesus. So we're going to be reading John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through a few verses at first, and then I want to just break some things down for you as we go. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow along. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word. Now, when John uses this word, word, he's referring to Jesus. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Skip to verse 9. It says, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Skip to verse 16. It says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side, but he has made him known. He has made him known. So this word, word that's referring to Jesus is also translated in the original language to the living expression. 
So John begins to break Jesus down by saying he has always been. He was there from the beginning. And we looked at last week, when you see creation, you see the first picture of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying that Jesus was the living expression. The Son is the living expression of who God is. And everything that was created, everything that was made, everything that was spoken into existence was created through Jesus. Jesus has been involved from the beginning. Everything found its origin and was made and created through him. The living expression. So that is how you were created in the image of God because you were created through the living expression of God being Jesus. So John is breaking down this fact that Jesus has witnessed everything. He has been here from the beginning. You were created through him. He has now seen the space that has entered the picture between God the creator and his creation. And now he's making a decision to give you his first impression. He is putting on flesh, and he is coming down to earth. Like we talked about last week, we looked at what happened in the garden, and and more importantly, God's response to what happened in the garden, and how God is a God who has pursued you at your worst. He has chosen you when you couldn't choose him. He has loved you when you couldn't love him back. And I believe that one of the most heartbreaking things, if not the most heartbreaking thing for God, and this space between, is that up until... Adam and Eve made that decision that God walked and talked with his creation. He had direct communication with his creation. Once sin, space, entered the picture, God no longer was talking for himself. God's people were no longer knowing God from God. They were knowing of God through somebody else. So God's people lost this direct connection with God. Now, Jesus, we were created through him, but we weren't really feeling his impact while he was with God. It wasn't until Jesus made the decision to put on flesh, to come and and be born of a virgin and live here on earth and dwell among us that his impact was actually felt. So I want you to, to think tonight in this way, that God could have presented himself to humanity in any way. But God presents himself. His first impression for you and I is presenting himself in Jesus. So it's very easy to assume who you think God is, to have your opinion of God shaped by what somebody else says. But if you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. Because the reason why Jesus came was to make God known. Jesus was God presenting himself to creation once again, to the world once again. It says in verse 18, we just read it, that Jesus has made him known. He came here to make him known. Jesus says himself in John 14, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Why why do you ask to see God? If you want to know God, if you want to know the Father, then look at me. If you've seen me, You've seen him. If you wonder what motivates him, just look at what motivates me. If you wonder what breaks his heart, just look at what breaks my heart. I am the presentation. I am the living expression of God. I mean, that is amazing. That is amazing that God has the opportunity to show himself to humanity, and and the way that he shows himself is through the person of Jesus. It was so necessary for Jesus to come and to show who God was Because humanity had made God out to be something that he wasn't, and humanity continues to make God out to be something that he isn't. 
Because as long as your picture of God is being shaped by anyone other than God, anyone other than his word, anyone other, any picture other than who Jesus is, then it's a flawed perspective. It's a flawed mentality. Have you ever had it happen to where you have heard some stuff about somebody? Maybe you've read stuff online about somebody, and you have decided in your head who you think that person is, and then you get a chance to actually meet that person at one point, and you're like, wow, I totally misjudged this person. I was only listening to one perspective. I only listened to somebody's side of a story, and I literally, I had my mind made up about this person, but after getting to spend time with them and after getting to talk with them and hang out with them, I was so off. See, I believe that God was anticipating the moment to send his son because he was witnessing humanity, thinking that they knew who he was, but they were so misguided in their perspective and their perception of who God was. And I believe that God could not wait for the opportunity to send his son to say, this is who I am. I'm sick of having someone else speak for me. I'm sick of someone else telling you who I am. This is who I am. Up until this point, people were were knowing God through a prophet. They were knowing God through a priest. They might have heard stories of how God had saved his people. They maybe even had seen glimpses of his power or seen glimpses of his wrath. But up until that point, they were constantly taking somebody else's word for who God was. When Jesus comes to earth, this is the first time since the garden that God is walking the earth. This is the first time since the garden that God can speak for himself. That God can show humanity who he is by himself. This is the scary thing, though. Is that John says he came, the very God that we were created in the image of, the very Jesus that we were created through, comes to earth and humanity doesn't recognize him. They don't just not recognize him. When he tells them who he is, they don't receive him. You know, you you can't recognize someone that you don't already know. You can't recognize a face that you haven't seen before. You can't recognize a voice that you haven't heard before. I can't pick you out of a crowd if I've never met you, if I've never seen you. But I I could pick a face out of a crowd if I've seen it before. I might be able to pick a voice out from a conversation if I've talked to somebody before. And I think the, the reason why so many Christians struggle to recognize God in their life in every season is because maybe you don't know God for yourself the way that you're supposed to. The reason why you have such difficulty picking his, his handprint, his fingerprints out in different seasons and in different areas of struggle or different areas of success is because maybe you don't know God personally the way that you're supposed to personally know God. So it's a little hard to recognize him. You know, how many times do, I, I don't know God's voice because I'm so much quicker to seek somebody's counsel rather than God's counsel. I'm quicker to seek somebody out who I respect than to ask the Holy Spirit, could you speak to me in this situation? I'm quicker to put on a worship song that talks about God's goodness than me just coming up with the words myself to tell God how good I think he is. At the risk of me sounding like an 80-year-old woman, I've been struggling with a lot of back pain. And I woke up two nights ago with, like, crazy hip pain. (laughs) I feel stupid even saying it, but honestly, it was stupid. Um, It woke me up out of a dead sleep at 2 a.m. I was was dying. And uh, it takes a lot to get me out of bed. 
and um, I got out of bed. I was actually laying on the floor, <laughs> and um, it was bad. And uh, I could not, I couldn't get rid of it. It didn't matter how I laid, what I stretched, how I, I could not get rid of it. Like I was pinching a nerve. I, I was, it was rough. And so, you know, when something physically is going wrong, what do we do? We Google it. And so from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., I was downstairs on my living room floor Googling and trying to diagnose my hip pain. And by 5 a.m., I came to the conclusion that best case scenario, I was going to lose my leg. But worst case, I'd probably lose my life. <laughs> by 5.30, I had come to grips with it, and I was ready to present it to my family. I was going to sit everyone down when everybody woke up. Because, you know, something hurts, Google it, right? I wonder why our, our reaction isn't the same, that when life hurts, when things go wrong, why is my reaction not to go to God? Why is my reaction not to say, God, I need to hear from you, so let me actually read what you've already said. Why don't I open your word that is living and active, that is a gift for creation, that is a gift for your people to know your voice, to know who you are, to know what motivates you, to know where your heart is. Why do I never turn to God first, but I'm so quick to seek other things? You're never going to be able to recognize what you don't know for yourself. And I want you to hear tonight that God went to great lengths to be known by you. By you. If it was okay for you to know God through a service, through a church, through a pastor, through a priest, through a preacher, through a worship band, if he was cool with you knowing him through some other avenue, then Jesus didn't need to come and die for you. But he wasn't cool with that. He didn't want that space in between. So he gave his one and only son so that you could talk to him directly. So that he could come back to earth and walk this earth himself. To say, I don't need somebody else speaking for me. I don't need you coming to conclusions on your own or coming to assumptions based on somebody else's knowledge or experience with me. I want you to know me for you. Jesus is the physical presentation, representation of who God is. God is saying, you don't need to guess any longer. You don't need to throw darts any longer. I'm going to show you exactly who I am. And so God sends Jesus down to earth so that we could see him in a way that we could understand, in a way that we could relate to, and in a way that we could embrace. Jesus shows us a picture of God that we can understand, in a way that we can relate to, and in a way that we can embrace. He does it in a way that we can understand because he's, again, he's speaking for himself now. So life is not always going to make sense. You're not going to understand everything on this side of heaven. But God has made the effort and done everything in his power for you to understand him and his character and his nature and his motivation and his desire, his love, his mercy, his grace, his patience. Just look at Jesus. Look at the way that Jesus handled himself. Look at the way that Jesus communicated with people, how he handled Difficult situations, how he handled awkward situations. Look at the instances where Jesus had every right to condemn somebody. Look at the way that he spoke to people. Look at the people that he hung out with. Look at the people that he was willing to touch and to hug and to show love and support to. Look at the way that Jesus taught. The God of all creation, 
Jesus, who has been there from the beginning, Jesus, the very one that you were created through, doesn't try to teach or preach in a way that you would be impressed. He teaches and preaches in a way that you could understand. Jesus speaks in parables, stories. And so Jesus understands his audience. He knows who he's talking to. And so if Jesus is in a rural village where farming is prevalent, he's going to use some analogies. He's going to tell some stories that if you do some farming, you do some planting, you're going to understand. If Jesus is talking to some business professionals, he's going to tell you a story about the importance of being wise with your investment. Jesus is constantly telling stories, constantly telling parables because he is taking heavenly truth and he's giving it to us in bite-sized pieces. So do you understand? Do you get it now? Do you see what I mean? It's like this. It's as if this happened. You would know it like this. If he's talking to fishermen, he's going to use fishing analogies. The very way that God himself communicates to humanity in physical form is done in story form so that you and I could understand it. Jesus is humble enough that he is able to connect and communicate with the uneducated, the outcast, the rejected, the person who has been pushed out of every social circle, who's been shown no respect, who people can't communicate with, touch, come in contact with. Jesus is so humble, the God of all creation, that he's able to communicate with people like that in a way that they can completely understand and they can encounter him and they could feel his love for them. Jesus is also wise enough to speak to the intellectual elite, the people who pride themselves in their knowledge and their righteousness, and he's wise enough to speak to them in a way that challenges them, that stumps them, that rebukes them at times. Jesus' mission was to make God known. Part of you knowing God is understanding who God is, understanding what God feels. And so Jesus is showing you, do you want to know how God reacts? Look at how I react. You want to know how God feels? Look at what I feel. You want to know how God speaks? Look at how I'm about to speak. You want to know how God handles a bad situation? You want to know how God handles a really bad mistake, something that you may think has messed up the rest of your life? Watch this. Watch how I handle this situation. Watch when this is brought to my attention. And look at the grace that I'm showing. This is the grace that God is showing you. Jesus is presenting God to creation in a way that we can understand. He's also doing it in a way that we can relate to. John says that he became flesh and he dwelt among us. How crazy is this? That The God who could have just said, you guys made a mess of it. I had everything set up. You were all good for the rest of your lives, but you had to go do your own thing. You had to just do it for yourself. You didn't listen. Sorry. I'll try again. Nope. God said, I know this is your problem, but I'm going to make it my problem, and I'm going to involve myself in this situation, and I'm going to do what you can't do, and I'm going to make a way for you to be close to me again. So Jesus presents God in a way that we can relate to because Jesus willingly submits himself to creation. The creator, God, willingly puts on flesh, comes to earth, and submits himself to the very ones that he created. Now, he doesn't only just submit himself to the ones that he created, but he also submits himself to the consequences 
of his creation's decisions. So God was, was not caught off guard when Jesus is born and he's like, holy cow, I didn't realize it was this bad down here. Jesus knew exactly what he was going into. Jesus knew exactly what he was submitting himself to. Jesus is born from the start into a family where his parents were the talk of the town. There was rumors. Their reputation was trashed. You know why? Because his parents were sticking to this story that they didn't have sex. Mary didn't get pregnant because they had sex. She's still a virgin. She's just pregnant. I mean, listen, if I, if I was back out of town, I would have thought that was crazy too. Right? I'm, I'm being honest, being real. So, and it wasn't Mary and Joseph's fault. They were just being obedient to what God did and the truth of what happened. But think of how crazy that sounded to everyone else. And so people had no problem talking about it. And people had no problem trashing the reputation and rumors going around because did you honestly just own up to what you did? I could see myself saying that. Like, I'd, I'd have more respect for you if you just came clean and said what you did. We all know what you did. It's obvious, right? Don't judge me. You'd say the same thing. He's literally, from the get-go, born into a family that has a reputation. He's born into a family that has no money. He's immediately born into a situation where there's no room in the end. They can't do anything about it. And instead of being born in a nice hospital with a great, friendly nursing staff and the best technology, he's born in a nasty manger where dirty, smelly animals were. Worst circumstances. As if that's not chaotic enough for God to submit himself right into this situation. Try this on. He's born into a time where the king is so threatened by this idea that the Messiah is coming back that he puts a warrant out on Jesus' head and he tells his army to go to every single household and any little boy, two years old or younger, rip him out of his mom's hands, bring him out into the street and slaughter him. You think times are tough now. You think life stings now. Could you imagine living in a time period where soldiers could come to your door and rip your little boy out of your hands and slaughter him in the, on the sidewalk in front of your house? Jesus is born into a time where there is literally a death warrant out on his head. The Bible describes him as having no majesty about him. It wasn't like Jesus was like, listen, I'll come to earth, but if I come to earth, I'm going to look like Brad Pitt. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the man. Or whoever is cool now. I don't know. You can see how old I am. Because of Brad Pitt. He was cool like what? 15 years ago? Help me. I don't act. Faith, come on, tell me. When, when did you like Brad Pitt? Was it before me? He didn't just set himself up for success. I mean, it says that there was nothing attractive about him. There was no majesty about him. Jesus didn't just place himself in a family that had privilege. You're talking about the king and creator of all, he didn't set himself up to be born into a palace. And, and, you know, he wasn't like, listen, I got ministry to do. I got to fix humanity when I get there. I can't be messing around with working with my hands. He was born into a blue-collar family that had to work for every meal that was on the table. He worked with his hands. He had a dad who taught him how to do carpentry. They worked hard. They didn't have a lot. He wasn't born into privilege. You know, Jesus experienced loss. 
Jesus experienced the grief. You know, we don't see what happens to Joseph, but the last time that Jesus' father is mentioned in Scripture is when Jesus is like 12 years old, and he's never mentioned again. And you fast forward to when Jesus dies on the cross, he has to ask somebody to take care of his mom. So it's assumed that his father passed away while he was growing up. Not only did he lose his dad at some point, but he lost friends and he lost family along the way. As Jesus is just about to start his ministry, his cousin, who he was so close to, is beheaded because they're starting to hear about Jesus. They're hearing this message of Jesus. So if you think that God just set himself up to live a cushy life to come and save humanity, no, no, no. He went through every pain and every grief and every struggle that you could imagine. You know, Jesus was pretty much homeless the entire time he did ministry. He traveled. He, he was relying on people opening their homes to him. He was relying on people being able to feed him and his boys. He, he, he didn't just have a sweet house that would have been featured on cribs. Jesus was homeless for most of his ministry. And this is the amazing thing about Jesus and, and why we can relate. Jesus didn't just put flesh on for a couple days to try it out and to feel it. He dwelt among us. Jesus lived in your shoes. So if all that isn't enough, well, while he lived here, he experienced all kinds of stuff. You know, Jesus got to experience notoriety. You have this, this guy who's speaking like people have never heard before, and they don't really get why he can speak like this and the things that he's saying. And so Jesus' notoriety and his fame just starts to escalate in a crazy way. So Jesus experiences that. Jesus also experiences all those people turning on him as quick as they were turned on to him. For all the praise that Jesus got, he also got questioned, ridiculed, criticized. Doubts thrown his way, people judging him, people yelling at him, people screaming at him, people trying to now trash his reputation, people now spreading rumors about him. As if withstanding all of that public ridicule wasn't enough, Jesus had to live in a time period where people were plotting to kill him. So we use this word persecution a little lighter today. You're like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh man, life is just tough right now. I feel persecuted. I got people at work talking about me and da 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 da. So when we say Jesus went through persecution, we literally mean that people were planning his crucifixion. So any pain that you've gone through about what people are saying or attacking you, he felt that, but he felt it even to the point of people plotting his own death. Jesus, while he lived here, Jesus experienced temptation. Jesus experienced what it feels like to have Satan in his ear trying to tempt the human side of him. Not only did Jesus experience temptation, Jesus also experienced having to choose God's will over his own. You read in scripture times where Jesus says, it's not my will, but it's yours. He's making a decision to say, in other words, I know what I want to do. I know what my flesh wants to do, but that's not why I'm here, and that's not what I'm going to do. God, I want your will for my life. Jesus experienced what it was like to make those decisions. Jesus experienced some of the closest friendships you could ever have a brotherhood. He also experienced some of the deepest betrayal that you could ever imagine. Maybe you've experienced somebody close to you turning their back on you, rejecting you, stabbing you in the back. Jesus experienced rejection to the point of somebody selling him out to his own death. You know, something practical that Jesus experienced that I can really relate to, and this may sound dumb to you, but this encourages me in a way. Jesus experienced exhaustion. 
I don't know about you, but there are times in life where I just want to give up. Like I'm physically tired, I'm emotionally spent, spiritually I'm empty, and I'm just like, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I'm shot. You know, you see throughout Scripture, there are times where Jesus has to pull away from everybody, has to pull away from the crowd, has to pull away from his friends because he needs to go spend some quiet time with God. You see times where Jesus is like, I need to go take a nap. I need to go rest. I need to go sleep. Jesus experienced what it felt like to be on this side of heaven and dealing with all of these things that life throws at you. As if all of that isn't covering all the bases. And I'm skipping over a ton. This is a guy who from our standards, from our earthly standards, we would say, what a sad story. What a sad story. This guy dies at age 33, never gets married, never has kids, never owns a home, never has a successful job, never makes any money, never saved enough for retirement. He, he never really, you know, amounted to anything. From, from our perspective, we would be like, wow, that is so sad. But Jesus came and did exactly what he was meant to do. Jesus accomplished exactly what he set out to accomplish. God could have presented himself to humanity in any way that he chose, but he chose to do it in a way that you can not only understand, but in a way that you could relate to. So the next time that you are going through pain in life, you're going through struggle, you are going through hardship, and you feel like, oh, I don't really want to turn to God. I'd rather just go talk to somebody else who's been through what I've been through. Next time that you experience grief and you, you're quicker to go to somebody else who's experienced grief, remind yourself, man, if anybody experienced death and grief and hurt and pain, it's Jesus. It's God. If anybody could know the embarrassment or the shame that I feel or any of these things, it's Jesus because he took the weight of all of that when he died on the cross. He took the penalty of every sin, of my sin, and he wore it on his shoulders. God made the choice to live a life that you could relate to when he was here on earth. And lastly, he did all of this so that you and I could embrace him. I'm going to invite the band up as we begin to wrap this up. You know, it's so much easier for me to draw close to somebody that I, I know has been through some similar things. I know has walked through life in my shoes or something that I'm going through. It's, it's so much easier for me to feel close to a person that I can say, I know you know how it feels. I know you've been here. I know you've gone through this. I know this has happened to you as well. You know, Hebrews 4 says, Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, he understands our weakness. For he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. God presented himself in Jesus in this way, not just so that you could understand him, not just so that you could relate to him, but that you could embrace him. See, God did not send Jesus down to earth for this expedition of discovering humanity. You know, it wasn't like uh, this, this documentary that you see on Netflix or Discovery Channel where they're like, we've never been to this part of the ocean, so we got this $85 million sub with all these cameras, and we're going to send it down deeper than we've ever gone before. We don't even know if we're going to be crushed. We don't know what we're going to encounter. And they never find anything cool anyways. But, you know, and, and then you see, like, these glimpses of, like, the whole team that made the sub and all the scientists they are, like, huddled around the tiny little camera, and they're like, whoa, did you see that? Wow, that's crazy. But it wasn't as if... You know, God and all the angels and everyone who had come before him were like 
crowded around this little TV screen being like, whoa, look at what Jesus sees. Look at how humanity is. Look at all. No, no, no. He didn't send Jesus because he didn't know how to relate to you. He didn't send Jesus because he wasn't sure how to embrace you in your state. He said, I'll send my one and only son so that you can understand me, so that you can relate to me, so that you know how to embrace me. Because you understand that I know what you're going through. I know what you feel. You can see, you can read, you can hear about. I went through the things that you're feeling right now. I've experienced what you're experiencing right now. So the next time that you get convinced and you listen to the devil saying, he can't relate to you, why would you cry out to a God who you can't even see? Why would you cry out to a God who you can't just sit down and have a conversation with? You're going through real life problems and you're experiencing real life pain. Why would you turn to God? God is saying, no, I can can let you know that I have experienced that. I have felt that. I have gone through that. I have wrestled with that. I did make the choices that I'm asking you to make now. And so I'm doing this, like Hebrew says, so that you can come boldly back to me. So that's your first response. Just like when my little hip is bothering me, my first response is to go to Google. As life comes at me, my first response should be to boldly go to Jesus because he has been here. He has done it. He has lived it. If I want to know who God is, if I want to know how God feels, if I want to know what God thinks, I just need to look at Jesus. People in the Old Testament, they had to say, God, show me your face. God, show me your glory. Guess what? We get to see it. We get to see the glory of God by looking at Jesus, by looking at the physical representation, the first impression of who God is. And it's incredible. It's unlike anything that you've ever seen. It's unlike anything that you would naturally feel or naturally expect. There's a reason why humanity, they didn't recognize him and they didn't receive him because they were looking for something so different than who he is. And, and Satan, the enemy, will always try to convince you that God is not relatable. That God, you can't understand God. This doesn't make sense. But it is the opposite. And God has done everything in his power for you to know him for you. So if you are wrestling with this whole idea of having a relationship with God and it's not coming through, maybe it's time for you to make the choice to say, I don't want to know God through something or someone or a song or through a sermon. I want to know God for me. If this is ever going to feel real, if this is ever going to be close, if this is ever going to be intimate with me, I need to know it for me. God is not intimidated by you saying, I need to know it for me. God, if you're real, I need to know it for me. He's not intimidated by it. That's what he's desiring. We just read, he says, come boldly before me. Tell me where you're at. We, we talked last week about answering the question, where are you? God is saying, come to me. I want to know you. I want you to know me for you. I want to ask you to stand up as we begin to, to wrap tonight up. You know, through Jesus, we now have the option of rewriting our eternity. When, when there was nothing that I could do to ever get back in God's good graces, when I was, my destiny was already written, I was doomed because I'm not perfect. I made so many mistakes. God rewrote the story by sending his son down to die on the cross and to pay the penalty for my sins and my mistakes so that I could now spend eternity with him. And that is the most incredible gift ever. And if you haven't made that decision, Jesus did all the hard work so that all you got to do is say, Jesus, I accept it. I need it. I want you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. But you know, Jesus didn't just come to earth to secure your eternity. He came to earth so that you could live with him now. Too many Christians, you make the decision to invite God into your heart 
to affect your eternity, but you never allow it to affect the life that you're living right now. God sent his son down to earth to walk the earth, to talk with his creation so that he could walk with you now, so that he could talk with you now, so that as you go through life and life throws things at you, you can recognize his face in things. You can recognize his voice. That you can say, God, I don't understand what's going on. And God, this has caught me completely off guard. But God, I hear you. I hear you speaking. God, I see that you're at work. God, I trust who you are. I know I can trust you because I understand who you are. When I look at Jesus, when I look at how you've presented yourself, you are a God who never gives up on me. You've never left me for a moment. You've died for me. You love me. So God, I trust you. I want to ask you, all across this room, if you're here tonight and you're struggling, and you just need prayer. You need someone to encourage you. You need someone to just listen to what's going on and pray with you and be there for you. we got a prayer team along the back gate, and as soon as we start the song, if you're here tonight and you could just use some extra encouragement, we want to ask you, you can just make your way to the back, and they would love to pray with you. But if you're here tonight and, you know, you're just realizing, like, man, I want to know God for me more. I, I just feel like I have accepted knowing him through people and things and productions and conferences and worship albums and sermons. And, and I'm just kind of sick of that. I, I, I just want to know God for me. I, I want this to be real for me. I want to just ask you to do something. Like the Bible says, man, come boldly before his throne. If that's you, can you just ask God? Would you mind, all across this room, if that's you, do you mind just raising your hands and just saying, God, I want to know you? Right now, begin to ask him, God, I need to know you. God, I want to know your voice in my life, God. I want to recognize you, God. I want to I see your glory in my life. Come on, right now, in your own words. This is between you and God. This is personal to you. Begin to ask God to show himself to you. Begin to ask God that it will be real for you. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.